Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. If you would turn to Colossians chapter 3, we'll start in verse 12. Colossians 3, 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your, rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Our text this morning will be Colossians 3:16, but I asked Randy to read that uh, passage so that you could see the context of um, the verse that we're going to be examining this morning in our message together. And I'm going to be preaching today from this text. We've been in a series together on Sunday mornings uh, on entitled First Things First in the Church. And this morning, we're going to be considering together the priority of Christ-centered worship. And we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Typically, we have our uh, pastoral prayer later in our time of worship, but I'm going to pray our pastoral prayer at this time because uh, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper together this morning in our service. So I would just ask you as throughout this service that you uh, just look to the Lord and, and ask God to prepare your heart for uh, for not only the message, but also our time together as we celebrate the Lord's Supper and observe His Supper together. Let's join our hearts together in prayer at this time. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We do come in a spirit of worship this morning. We come for the purpose of worship. Uh, we come to you bringing to you the sacrifices of our praise, of our love, uh, Lord, um, of our very lives, and we pray you will be glorified in this continued time of worship. We've tr sought to worship you through our singing, and I pray we'll worship uh, you this morning through giving you our heart's attention and through receiving the word of God as your word tells us to, Lord, and uh, to do so with a spirit of submission that we might, as we've read in this passage, let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And Father, along with that, I pray for obedience to the passage that we read together this morning, that we might bear with one another, that we might forgive one another as you have forgiven us. Uh, Lord, I pray that we also would put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. 
Uh, and Lord, again, I pray that you'll enable us today to proclaim today, uh, Lord, as a local church, Lord, to one another, uh, Lord, um, but also to our uh, family members, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates, uh, Lord, that, per- that person that we uh, will be meeting this week for the first time and, and along the way that will be faithful. And we pray for boldness, Lord, to proclaim the gospel. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that every one of us will have the gospel so, uh, will be so filled with the gospel that, Lord, again, uh, we will not help uh, but be able to proclaim the gospel. We'll be f- so filled with that desire to share Christ with others. So give us that freedom of speech, that boldness, that confidence. And Lord, I, I pray you give us favor. And Lord, I pray for our church that we'll uh, have the joy of seeing people uh, as they hear the gospel to turn from their sin and place their faith and trust in Christ to be born again. And I pray, Lord, we'll have the joy of seeing them following you in believers' baptism and connection with the local body of Christ here. Lord God, just be glorified, Lord, through the health and life uh, and growth, Lord, of your church here called Lucy Baptist Church. Lord, I I specifically want to pray for some of our members today as we continue to pray through our church family role. I pray in the membership role. I pray today for Ethan and Jessica Porter. Thank you for them. Continue to bless them and grow them for your glory and for the building up of this body. Lord, use them as salt and light in, uh, Lord, in their, among their family, among their, uh, among their coworkers, Lord, among their neighbors and wherever they go. Lord, I, I pray that um, you'll continue to, to just uh, raise them up in, as faithful leaders here in our church, Lord. And I pray with Paul and Colossians that they might bear fruit in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God. And Lord, I pray for, uh, for Art's mother and Ethan's uh, grandmother, Mrs. Helen Porter, Lord, according to 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Lord, that you, the Lord of peace, yourself will give her peace uh, at all times in every way and continue to give her health and strength and may she be comforted by your continual presence. And Lord, help us, Lord, while she's not able to be with us, that we will be a faithful church family to minister to her, to pray for her, to visit with her, to encourage her, Lord, help us. And Lord, again, forgive us when we fail to minister effectively and faithfully to our homebound members who've served you, who've been here, who would be here today if they could be. So bless Miss Helen and others like her today. Uh, Lord, I lift up uh, uh, James. Um, We know him as Bubba and Kay Privett. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the way you have blessed uh, Bubba in his uh, his uh, improvement in, he- in his health, and we pray, Lord, that you would be glorified in his continued healing, Lord. And again, Lord, may your goodness lead him to repentance, and, and may he and Kay both be brought to-, to a close relationship with Christ and to a faithful commitment to your local church. Be glorified in, in and through him and in their family. And once again, Father, now we come uh, before you and before uh, the one who inspired this word, who is now indwelling every believer, and is who, Lord, Holy Spirit, you're here with us as a family. So speak to us today, Lord, through your word. Lord, uh, I pray our minds, our thoughts will be captive to your spirit today. 
Lord, I pray you'll enable me, Lord, to uh, speak clearly today, to speak the gospel clearly, to preach faithfully this passage, Lord, to say what you would desire me to say and, and, and not what you would not have me to say, Lord. But I pray that you'll give, uh, Lord, uh, that everyone here will have ears to hear what you want to say to your church and that you will give them, uh, Lord, again, that the, the, the sword of the Spirit, Lord, will, will, will just uh, discern our thoughts and intents uh, of our hearts and, uh, and, God, that we might allow you, through the Word of God, to uh, draw near to you, closer to you, and come to know you better and receive your truth to transform our lives to the glory of God. And once again, Father, we plead with you for those who do not know Christ to awaken them to their need for you uh, that so enable us to proclaim your gospel to them faithfully today. We love you, exalt you, and praise you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. How do you define worship? Think about it for a moment. Warren Wiersbe, one of my favorite writers, defined worship as your response as a believer of all that you are, mind, emotions, will, and body, to all that God is and says and does. Now, oftentimes when we define worship, we immediately go to music, don't we? We immediately think about singing, and rightly so. That is an important part of our worship, but as we know, as we've already seen, that's not all of there is to worship because we, from, we come together and we desire that what we do in our time here together uh, be a time of worship. So we begin scripture reading, as we've seen in scripture, is, is scriptural, it's right uh, to, to read the word of God. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and other aspects to our worship. In fact, in their book, uh, Gather God's People, Brian Croft and Jason Adkins write about our, that our worship should include these elements, to preach the word, read the word, pray the word, sing the word, and see the word. That last one you may say, see the word, and that's, uh, of course, expressed in our celebration of the Lord's Supper and of baptism, we see the word, and we'll be doing that today as we, uh, as we come together to observe the Lord's Supper. And uh, we looked at two of these uh, priorities and two of these, these uh, important parts of uh, our worship in our messages on the priorities of corporate prayer and, and also on, uh, on the priority of expositional Bible preaching. Now, the book of Colossians has as its theme the sufficiency of Christ, has some similarities to the to the book of Hebrews that we've been preaching through and will return to. Um, and in doing so, in this passage that, that, that we've read today, that, that Randy read to us earlier, and that Paul is addressing holy living in the context of our relationships with one another and how important uh, that is. And right in the midst of that, in verse 16, he, he deals with the role of music in our worship with one another. And, and so music does have an important role as a part of our worship. Again, read the Bible, read the Psalms. The book of Psalms is a book of songs. The longest book of, in the Bible is a book about songs. And again, uh, throughout the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament, and how oftentimes uh, they're beginning even in the, uh, in the Exodus, when, uh, when something would happen, what would happen? The folk, they would write a song about it. Uh, so that people could remember, and that's one of the reasons it's such an important tool, because we can remember songs. Sometimes we 
hear songs and we remember songs we shouldn't remember, right? But, but again, songs uh, can be a very helpful tool, and they are a wonderful tool in worshiping the Lord. As we think about the Lord's Supper today, a part of our worship celebration, the Lord Jesus at the Last Supper, at the, the institution of the Lord's Supper, out of the Passover meal, they sang a hymn together. So again, worship and even singing is an important part uh, of our worship to the Lord. And again, as we think today about worship, we're going to focus on this passage, this one verse, and specifically our singing, uh, at the singing aspect of our worship, keeping in mind that all of these other uh, parts of it and elements in our worship are also vitally important, and that Scripture teaches us that this is a priority for us individually as believers, but also a high priority for us even as a church. You can go all the way back. Again, the first two commandments teach us uh, about worship. And all the way through the Word of God on into the New Testament, we see that important priority in the church. So I want you to look with me from this one verse, five truths concerning the priority of Christ-centered worship. Notice, first of all, that Christ-centered worship is saturated with the gospel. Notice verse 16, the first part of the word says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Bob Coughlin, who uh, wrote a book, he, he defined the word of Christ as the word about Christ or the word of the gospel. And we know that all of scripture points to Jesus. We saw that back in Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection when the Bible says that Jesus began with Moses there in Genesis and all the way through the Old Testament, he preached uh, to him, them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So in that sense of the word, we could understand the word of Christ to be the word of God, synonymous, but again, specifically focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Sam Storm says that the word of Christ is the totality of biblical revelation concerning Jesus, who he is, his mission, his life, his redemptive work, his character, his will, and his ways. Now he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word let us is, um, is a command. And the word let implies submission. It requires that we submit ourselves to the word of Christ. Uh, the, the, the word uh, dwell here, the word dwell means to, to live or to be at home in. The word of God is to live or be at home in us. And then the word richly means extravagantly or abundantly rich. So you put these together and here's what he is saying. We are to let the word of Christ, the gospel, permeate, saturate every part of our lives so that every thought, every action, every motive is controlled by the word of Christ, by the gospel. So a good thing to ask yourself today is, am I filled, am I submitted to, am I permeated today with the gospel so that everything, as I come to worship the Lord, uh, am I truly filled with the word of God? Am I permeated with the word of God? And again, let me just say to you, that requires preparation on your part. You, you expect me to come prepared, right? You expect me to be prepared and you write, you should. 
that I be prepared when I come to preach. Well, you know what? We also have a responsibility to prepare ourselves as we come to worship. I know sometimes weeks are, are tough and we have a, we're facing a lot and dealing with a lot, but even before you come, I urge you to prepare throughout the week, but especially uh, as you come on Sunday morning to prepare your, word, your heart to receive the word and come with the word uh, filling and permeating your life. Jesus said in John 4.23 to the Samaritan woman at the well, he said, true worshipers will, worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So we're to worship him in the truth of scripture as his word lives in us. And, and we come and share that with one another. The parallel to this, uh, and there are companion passages, I, I didn't include it all here, but I encourage you to, to read it, is Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, which commands us to be filled with the spirit, to be controlled, permeated again by the Holy Spirit. Again, the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit and in this passage being filled uh, or indwelt by the word of Christ uh, is the same. Again, it is Christ-centered worship. So are you filled with the Holy Spirit today? Did you come filled with the Holy Spirit, child of God, member of Lucy Baptist Church? Did you come with the word of Christ dwelling in, uh, at home in you? Is the word of Christ at home in your life today? Well, we might, sometimes uh, fo folks make jokes about uh, what kind of music there's going to be in heaven. Some folks, I've heard some pastors say, I'm absolutely convinced it's going to be Southern gospel. And uh, so, uh, but you know, we don't know what kind of heaven, uh, rather what kind of music uh, will, be, uh, will be in heaven. And, uh, but but God, God doesn't tell us that, but he does tell us what the focus of our songs will be in heaven. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, it is worthy is the lamb who was slain. It's the worthy lamb. He is the focus of the music of heaven. So that's what the, the focus of our music should be, amen? The Lord Jesus Christ, all about him. He is central to our singing. He is the one who has made it possible through his death, through his precious blood, through his resurrection, through his life. And even as we've seen in Hebrews, who is now uh, at the right hand of the Father ever interceding on our behalf, making it possible for us to come into the presence of the Father and to worship at his throne now as well as forever. So Christ-centered worship, again, is saturated with the gospel. But second, I want you to see Christ-centered worship builds up the church. It builds up the church. Notice he says, uh, in the second phrase here, that we are to, uh, again, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Again, we, we, as we've sung this morning, we worship God only. The word of God makes that very clear. Jesus taught that. And, the, and, and all of the Old Testament and New Testament teach we are to worship him only, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not to have idols in our life. We're not to worship any person, anything, any possession. However, we do, we do come together and worship. Corporate worship as the people of God is something we do together. And here he says, also in doing so, we are teaching and admonishing one another. 
Again, that parallel passage, Ephesians 5, uh, 19, uh, Paul used the word there, instead of just teaching and admonishing, he used the word addressing one another or speaking to one another. You know, oftentimes we don't think about that. I, I, having prepared this message before today, I tried to think about that this morning. So this morning, as I was standing uh, right down front here uh, with uh, Blake and Chloe and listening to them sing, uh, I was not only trying to direct my, my praise to the Lord, but I was trying to sing to them as well, because that's what the Bible says we're to do. And, uh, and again, the Bible doesn't say anything about having a, a good voice. The Bible doesn't say anything about being able to carry a tune or sing in tune. doesn't say any of those things. So that doesn't get any of us off the hook. Uh, we all have the responsibility and the privilege uh, of not only worshiping the Lord in our worship, but also to be teaching and admonishing uh, one another, addressing one another. So, so he says we're for, the first part is teaching one another. Were you teaching each other this morning as you were singing? That's what uh, I believe says. And again, it's, ta- it's uh, borne out in Ephesians 5, uh, 19 as well. You know, many believe that, that probably the mo- that we learn more biblical theology from singing than from preaching. And, uh, and, and because why? Again, because those songs stick with us and it's reinforced week after week after week, year after year after year. We enforce, reinforce the truth. So that's why it's so important because you know what? We can get some bad theology in some songs too. There's plenty out there to be had. And so we have to be very careful that we, our songs are biblical. And I just want to say a word of appreciation to Jonathan for the time that he invests as our lead worshiper in, in uh, selecting songs that are biblical, that are sound theologically. Sometimes we look at a song together and we'll say, well, you know, here we're qu- we question this aspect of this song uh, that, that may or may not be truly biblical and may not be good biblical theology. So again, it's, uh, it's very important. And uh, the word, uh, the, the, and, he, and I appreciate once again that Jonathan takes that role seriously. Uh, the word admonishing means to give strong encouragement and even warning. You know, sometimes we need strong encouragement, amen? Have you ever come to worship with the, with the people of God on some Sundays and your heart is down? You're, you're struggling, you've had a tough week and you've had, some, you've had some tough experiences in your life, you're going through some sorrow? You know, one of the saddest things to me that happens sometimes in the lives of members of our church family is when they go through a storm in their life and instead of coming to be with God's people, they stay away from God's people. Uh, we want to minister to the family of God when they're going through a struggle, when they're going through a storm, when they're going through a sorrow. And one of the ways we can do that is in our singing and our singing together to seek to encourage. That's the idea of the word admonishing is strong encouragement, but also there's strong warning involved. Sometimes we're warning one another, uh, and we do that out of love for each other, that we don't want any, any one of us to fall off in, 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 uh, in, in a ditch and, and to get away from the Lord and to stray from the Lord in any way. So we're doing that even in our singing and our, our music. We're, we're, uh, we're seeking to build up the church. And in, 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 in so again, it, it's uh, this word of a practical Theology, I believe, is what is described in the word admonishing. Paul addressed public worship in 1 Corinthians 14. He's dealing there with the issue in the church at Corinth about, about uh, their speaking in tongues and some things of that nature. But he said in 1 Corinthians 14, 15, and 16, he said, What am I to do? 
I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. He said in verse 16, otherwise I will give you thanks, or excuse me, otherwise if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? In essence, Paul is saying, uh, I, I, I will pray and I will sing so that others can say amen. They can understand what I'm singing, what I'm praying, and they can say amen to that in affirmation. And specifically, even here, he's describing unbelievers who may be uh, present so that they can hear the truth. And so again, our desire is not only that believers will be built up and encouraged understanding the songs that we sing, that they glorify Christ, that they teach one another, they encourage one another, and that they even proclaim the gospel to an unbeliever who may be present uh, so that they might recognize through that, even that tool, their need for Christ. Martin Luther said, music is theology's handmaiden, leading us to glorify our Lord more fully. So that is our desire. And again, you may be here this morning and, and, and don't know Christ. And, and, and we, we desire that our music be worshipful, glorify Christ. We're singing to one another as believers. But if you're here without Christ, we pray, one, that, that you hear the gospel. That you hear the gospel in our preaching. That you hear the gospel in our singing. We also pray that you will sense the presence of God here today as we worship him together and that you will see our love for one another and our unity and that God will use this message to cause you to see your need for Christ, that you would recognize that God is the creator of this vast universe and that, that God is good, that he is holy, that he is righteous in all his ways, scripture says, that he created us, but that we as, sin, as people all the way back to the garden have chosen to sin against God. And we are sinners both by nature and by choice. And the Bible says all of us are in that same condition. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's a penalty for that sin and the wages of sin is death. And that means separation from God now and also for all eternity. And that means being separated from him in hell forever. But the good news is, the gospel, is that God did something about that. He came in the person of Jesus, fully God, fully human. Jesus came. And the Bible says he lived a perfect, sinless life because he's fully God and yet fully human. And he went to the cross. And the Bible says that, uh, that, that uh, he went to that cross. And the Bible says he became sin for us. That all of, of, uh, of my sin was poured out upon him on that cross. And all of God's holy wrath against that sin. He died to pay our debt in full. But the third day he arose. And he's alive right now. And he's ready to enter the heart of anyone who will turn from their sin and place their faith and trust in Jesus. And dear friend, our, our prayer for you before this service today was that those who might be here without Christ, who don't know him, would be awakened to their need for him. And we're praying for you that you might respond to that good news of the gospel today. Again, Christ-centered worship builds up the church. According to Bob Coughlin, Charles Wesley wrote over 6,500 hymns. We sing a number of them today. And he and his, John, his brother John Wesley produced 56 hymnals covering every uh, biblical doctrine uh, that they preached and taught. Coughlin said, 
they weren't attempting to write worship hits. There weren't any back in those days. Uh, but, they, they, but they did want to, to teach and admonish the church. They gave the church songs that were filled with a word of Christ. They were not written to replace the preaching of the word, but to complement it. And we should make it our aim not only to preach the whole counsel of God, but to sing it as well. Christ-centered worship builds up the church. But thirdly, Christ-centered worship is characterized by variety. He said singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Again, almost identical to Ephesians 5.19. And while we cannot be uh, dogmatic about the distinction of each of these words, we certainly see one thing, and that is that there is variety in our singing. Uh, and again, uh, that, that, that is used in worship. Most agree that the word psalms here uh, included those from the book of Psalms. The early church sang, the, their, their hymn book, if you will, was the, was the book of Psalms. They sang from the Psalms. Uh, others believe this can also include other uh, scripture songs, uh, songs from, uh, from scripture that are put to music. In 1 Corinthians 14, 26, Paul encouraged Christians to come to the worship gathering uh, with a psalm to offer. Uh, this morning as I thought about our worship, did we sing any psalms? I think that song we sang, Great is the Lord, could be in that category uh, as, a, as a psalm. Uh, the uh, uh, next part we see here, by, uh, by the way, on the word psalm, let me just mention that tonight, in tonight's worship service, uh, our night of worship, Jonathan and our, our worship team are going to be leading us and teaching us some songs from the Psalms. So this is an opportunity as a body to, to learn some songs that will help us to be biblical in, in regard to singing from the Psalms. Again, not only for this time together, but to take them with us. Because one of the things we hope that happens uh, is that we learn these not only now. And by the way, one encouragement I read was sometimes uh, don't always keep your eye on the screen, uh, but look away and see how many of them you can sing without, uh, without just looking at the words so that they become a part of your, of your heart and life as well and you learn them. Uh, so don't miss tonight uh, as we learn more about the Psalms. Some believe that the word hymns here are songs written in praise to God or Christ. A good way to remember it is a hymn is about him. And so we, I think, certainly sang those this morning, Oh, for a Thousand Tongues, and He is Exalted. And by the way, sometimes these are interchangeable. They can be all three or more than one. of a, where They could be both a psalm and a hymn and a spiritual song. Um, so uh, again, uh, the, the, uh, the hymns are songs about him. And then the, the final is a, by the way, in scripture, there are a few hymns that have been identified in the New Testament. And I won't read all of these, but uh, Colossians 1, 15 to 20 is believed to be a hymn that was sung in the uh, New Testament, uh, during the time of the New Testament's inspiration, the early church, and also Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Another one, 1 Timothy 3, 16. That one's a little shorter. I'll read it. It says, great indeed, we confess is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, and proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, 
taken up in glory, a hymn that the early church sang and we can sing as well today. Uh, So again, the final one is spiritual songs. And most believe that spiritual songs were uh, testimony kind of songs. Uh, and, and, uh, and again, we could include the, the, the one we sang today, uh, How Can I Keep From Singing? That's a testimony. How Can I Keep From Singing? Uh, these, many believe, were more likely spontaneous. Uh, so people would come with a song, that, uh, a testimony from their own life. And they would sing together. So you can, you can see there that, that, that this was, they were continuously hearing new songs. You know, sometimes people resist singing new songs. Uh, that's, I don't know that one. I can't sing that one. It's new. I don't know it. But, but obviously in the New Testament day of the early church, the, the uh, people were continuously singing new songs and, uh, and, and, the, and spiritual songs. And remember, the oldest and most familiar him you can think of was at one time a brand new song. I just imagine after uh, John Newton, Pastor John Newton wrote Amazing Grace, he wrote it as a part of his sermon. Uh, oftentimes pastor was, pastors would write, I'm glad that's not a requirement today, would write a hymn to go along with their sermons. Can you imagine? Maybe a wife was sick that morning, husband went home and she said, how was the worship today? He said, good. Um, pastor John wrote and taught us a new hymn today. Oh yeah, what was it? Amazing Grace, I think is what he said it was called. Well, what do you think about it? Ah, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe, you know, not knowing that we'd still be singing that today on a song. But so they're all new at one time. Just keep that in mind, all right? Uh, and so again, Christ-centered worship is characterized by variety. Number four, Christ-centered worship is from a grateful heart. Notice again, he said, with thankfulness, we're to uh, do all these things, ha- singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. Worship is produced in and through a thankful heart. Uh, Again, our heart or our spirit is where the Holy Spirit dwells. Uh, and, And our mind, will, and emotions operate out of our heart. Jesus told the Samaritan woman again in John 4, 23, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth in spirit from our hearts uh it means to worship from the heart with all your heart do you do that do you worship the lord with your whole heart uh the song tell us psalm 103 1 says bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name do you come with that kind of spirit and that kind of activity uh, and that kind of emotion from your heart that's how we are to worship the lord again psalm 45 1 my heart overflows with a pleasing theme do you have an overflowing heart and, and and now that you're indwelt by the word and filled with the spirit again you can't keep from singing uh it, it just comes forth out of your love and and praise for the lord and celebration of all he has done, all he is doing, who he is. That's what worship's all about. The Holy Spirit produces joy in our hearts, which, which overflows and manifests itself in praise and worship. John Wesley said, sing lustily or enthusiastically and with good courage. He said, beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep. I think I've seen and heard some of those. But lift up your voice with strength. 
Be no more afraid of your voice now, nor more ashamed of its being heard than when you sang the songs of Satan. Amen. We should sing to the bottom of our heart, to, to the Lord, uh, and, and bring honor and glory because of all he's done. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. We're not, don't worry about a sour note. Don't worry about, uh, about, again, not sounding good. Make a joyful noise to the Lord and do that to the glory of God. We're here to celebrate who God is and all he has done. But number five and finally, Christ-centered worship is directed to God. It is directed to God. That's what he says in the final word there of verse 6. In your hearts to God. Our worship, including our singing, is first of all directed and sung to God. Again, almost identical words there in Ephesians 5, 19. Again, Jesus' substitutionary death ended, as we've seen in Hebrews and we'll see again, the need for uh, blood animal sacrifices. However, we are still called to offer sacrifices. Did you know that, people of God? You say, we are? Absolutely. We're to offer sacrifices of worship and of praise. And, if, and Romans 12 says we're to offer our very bodies to the Lord as a living sacrifice, which is, which is acceptable uh, uh, as a reasonable uh, service of worship to the Lord. And so, again, Scripture tells us in Hebrews 13, 15, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Again, whether the song we're singing is directed to the Lord or to one another, we still sing it to the Lord. We still direct it to him. We want him to be completely praised and honored and glorified and singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. And the, by the way, the, the word psalm also uh, has an idea of plucking on an instrument. And, and, and even the word making melody uh, had the idea of using musical instruments. So whether it's a song from our voice or a song on our instrument, all of them are directed to the Lord to bring him honor and glory and praise because he alone is worthy. In their book, Sing, and by the way, I'd commend it to you, a good little book. Uh, and uh, in, the, in this book by Christian, uh, Keith and Kristen uh, Getty, they write, a church that sings together across generations, standing side by side, putting community unity before personal preferences, is making a powerful and attractive statement to those who yearn for community more authentic that can be enjoyed online and friendship deeper than is found in counting your Facebook friends. In our day, that word is so greatly needed. And that, brothers and sisters, requires humility. It does require putting aside our personal preference. I had a friend of mine, uh, a little older than me, uh, down in another city where I served at one time, asked him where he was worshiping, where he was going to church. He said, well, I go over here to church. I love the preaching of the word there, but I usually wait till after the singing is done so I can just slip in and hear the preaching because I don't like their music. Well, you know what, bless his heart, he was implying? He was implying it was about him. And you know what? It wasn't, and it isn't. 
It's not about any one of us, is it? Now, we know we all like our, we all have our favorites. Uh, we like to sing, and, and I'm, I'm seeing more and more the power of song, singing. Edwin and I took our hymnals, our old uh, 65 Baptist hymnals the other day, and went down to the hospital and went in the room with uh, Bubba and Kay and, and Jamie, and we sang together all five stanzas of Amazing Grace. I love the old hymns, and I appreciate Jonathan seeking to continue, seeking to, continue to include, include those. But you know what? I'm enjoying learning new songs too, amen? I believe we're being more like the New Testament as we're, being, uh, we're learning these things, and, and we're wanting to be biblical in our desire. So what does that require? That requires some, some uh, humility, it requires, as Philippians describes, uh, again, uh, esteeming others better than ourselves and, uh, and, and humbling ourselves that we might come together and love one another in this way. And in doing so, building unity in our body uh, across the generations so that we can have a message to our world that we're not about what we want, we're about Jesus. And we want to honor him and glorify him and we're, we love one another in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we want you to come on the journey of knowing Christ with us. Well, let me just mention a, a few things as we close and begin just responding to this message. How can you prepare for singing and worship? Well, I do encourage you to pray uh, for, for Jonathan and our, and our, our, our pastoral leadership as, 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 we, as, as Jonathan selects music to aid us in our worship as we plan our worship services together. Secondly, you can prepare for worship by being filled with the Spirit and by being filled with the Word, spending time in the Word and preparing your heart every day to come to the to Word of God so that, again, you will overflow with a good theme and your worship will be Christ-exalting from your heart to others. Thirdly, ask the Lord to give you a teachable heart to learn. And, and to learn, uh, again, new songs and to, to learn more so that you can teach others and admonish others. And number four, when you come, sing from your heart with enthusiasm to the Lord and to one another. And by the way, that's why we need to sit together. You know, again, if you're going to be singing to one another and admonishing and teaching one another and addressing one another, you can't be a mile off from other folks, okay? So that's why we need to be together as the family of God. I encourage that. Uh, that's a part of our... Our encouragement to one another. And then, uh, number five, pray that God will use our singing to build up the church and to demonstrate our love to the world. And then, just one final one, and that is Jonathan's seeking to send out the songs that we sing and, and, um, and even to have them where you can listen to them. I encourage you to do that as, as individuals and as families, to listen to the songs through the internet and, and uh, so that you can come and be prepared with those even as you come and make that a matter of prayer. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin Place your faith in Christ Jesus, His death for you on the cross, and His resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions, or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623, or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.